From the windows, doors, and more studios, your one-stop shop for all your kitchen and bath needs. The Pat Miller Program. Whoa, whoa. 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. Depend on it. Let's get it started. This is it. This is the inaugural flight of the Pat Miller program, the Saturday edition. Very, very glad that you guys are with us. I know you thought I was dead. Uh, you should see some of the emails uh, that I got and some of the Facebook posts uh, during the few weeks that I was off the air. Uh, well, I know Pat's health was bad. I hope he's okay. I had some. I actually had somebody who wrote my email account and said, if in fact Pat is dead, are you guys going to publish an obituary? So you can come visit and all that. Okay, we're going to do something like that. I'm not dead, but if you want to come by and visit the house one day next week and, like, bring me baked goods and stuff. Because, you know, when somebody dies, and I'm talking about, like, old times back in the day, everybody from all the farms around the area, they'd bring pies, they'd bring fried chickens and everything so that everybody would sit around and they'd have something to eat while they're thinking about their long lost. Okay, well, I'm not going to die for that, but if you want to bring the pies and the chickens— you go right ahead. Hi, folks. Uh, Pat Miller here with you behind the uh, the uh, whoa, whoa microphone. And sitting right over there is uh, my producer, Par Excellence, one David Shea with a C. And uh, we are glad that you are here. Now, remember, while I'm here, in fact, even after I'm gone, you can send me a text at 46862. That's 46862. You text the word whoa, whoa first, and then your question or comment. And it comes to us right here uh, in the studio, and I'll be able to see that. If you want to email me, that's Pat Miller, all one word, no dots or dashes, Pat Miller at wowo.com. So this is it. Going forward, Saturdays from 3 to 6, Caleb Blakesley still holds down the fort from 5 to 9 every morning here on Wowo 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. And as you now know, in the afternoon, The Burning Truth uh, with Casey Hendrickson, and he will be on from 3 to 6. So there you've got it. Uh, glad you guys know, glad you're here, and glad that you're, you're uh, obviously trying to walk with us through the balance of these days as we get everything going. Coming up on this broadcast today, speaking of the lovely, the beautiful, the talented, the inimitable Kayla Blakesley, Kayla will be with me right after this first break, and we're going to talk a little bit because I know one of the things that concerns you folks is you like to be kept up on uh, all, all all news that's very, very uh, local. Well, there's a local school system that's having some difficulty, uh, and Kayla Blakesley has started to cover that. We're going to talk about it today. She'll pick it up back up again the day after tomorrow when she's back in here on Monday uh, to pick it up. Some troubles going on with the East Noble school system. Uh, and one school in particular. We'll let her uh, talk about that when I have her on. Then just the other side of that, as long as we're talking about schools, the Biden administration, the president is trying to endear himself to you uh, again, uh, and he's trying to do that by transferring even more student loans than what was previously decided so that they can get those student loans down. Well, how much? How much are you doing here, Joe? He wants to pick up another 153,000 borrowers uh, for a new loan, student loan uh, transfer, and that will add up to about $1.2 billion. Now, that's not a total of $1.2 billion. That's $1.2 billion more than what he had already said they were going to do. You see, folks, 
Prices are going up. It's so hard. Eggs are expensive. Meat is expensive. Gasoline is crazy. Uh, But if you're talking about buying votes, those babies are expensive. Okay? If you're not willing to come up with a billion here and a billion there, just forget about it. Buying votes, that takes a lot of money. But he wants you to do it. And why is he doing it? He says he's doing it because he's saving democracy. Joe Biden is saving democracy. And we're all paying for it. Okay? We're all paying for it. Joe Biden is saving it, but we're paying. You just start taking $1.2 billion in addition to the billions already in this plan, and you start figuring out what this is going to cost each and every household as we go throughout the next year under the Biden administration. Holy stinking cow. Also, since we're talking about education, let's go up to the next level, shall we? Let's go up to the school's of higher learning. Uh, you remember that we had Claudine Gay, who was the president of Harvard. And their whole thing is that they say, well, they ousted her because of her plagiarism. Not true. They ousted her because of her anti-Semitism, and not only for her, but she engendered it all across her campus. And they just couldn't bring themselves to say that's why they were getting rid of her, because although she was hurting their enrollment and continues to do so, another thing that she was doing, she continued to bring in grants and money and everything. And folks in higher education, whether it's, you know, uh, J to Z, uh, junior college of lower Slobovia, or it's Harvard and Princeton and Yale, money matters. Money talks. So the new president of Harvard is condemning what he called a flagrantly anti-Semitic cartoon that made its way onto one of the accounts there at Harvard by members of their faculty who are very pro-Palestinian. That means anti-Semitic. You can't be a good Palestinian if you don't hate the Jews. I mean, that's how that works. And we're going to see that. We'll see that played out. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, As we go throughout the day, you can write me. Uh, you could do that through the texting at 46862. That's 46862. You text the word WOWO first in your question or comment, and it comes to us right here in the studio. Or you can email me when we're on the air or even after we're gone, and you can do that at patmiller at wowo.com. That's Pat Miller, all one word, at wowo.com. Many of you have been very gracious over the last few weeks and saying, Pat, we miss you. We hope you're back, and we hope we find another way to find you. You found it. Here I am. I'm sitting right here, and David is sitting there on the other side of the board to make sure I don't screw things up. And that's a huge commitment on his part, isn't it? I mean, if you have to stop Pat Miller from screwing up, that's larger than life. Okay, there you go. That's it. We've set the stage. So this is our first Saturday Thank you for being here. We're going to be doing it all, and we'll do it all together as we move throughout the day here on the Pat Miller Program, the Saturday edition, right here on WoWo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. And it's a huge commitment on his commitment on his part. I mean, you have to stop, stop, you have to stop Pat, Pat Miller from screwing up and screwing up. That's, that's life. It's large. There you go. That, okay. Life. And welcome back. And on this inaugural flight of uh, the Pat Miller Program, the weekend edition, uh, I wanted to make sure that we had great guests today, and we do, and we're starting with our best one, uh, not only because of who she is, what she means to us, what she means to me and the program, but also because of the topic. One of the things about WOWO is every time we can, we need to do all that we can to stay local, and this is that. 
sitting next to me from Fort Wayne's Morning News, the beautiful, the lovely, the talented, the inimitable Kayla Blakesley. Kayla? You said I'm your best guest today. Does that mean you don't have any others booked? I have three others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, I, I am. I First of all, congratulations thank you. on your weekend show. Thank you. I know it's something you and I have actually talked about. For, I mean, five, six, seven years, being yep. able to do a whole wrap-up show yeah. at some point. So I, I do think this is really cool. It's very unique to the market right. as well. Um, this kind of like 30,000-foot view of the whole week. So I, I can't wait to yep. see yep. what you come out with. Yeah, and we're going to hear what it's like from uh, the State House. We're going to hear what it's like from the U.S. Capitol. And now with you, we're going to hear what it's like. Like, for example, dealing with schools and school systems here <laughs> in the greater Fort Wayne area. You've had a story that's been bubbling now for the last couple of days. Catch me up on what's happening up at East Noble. Yeah, it's actually been brewing for like the last week, week and a half at this point. I've been tracking it. Um, back on February 7th, some parents were sent a memo, and this would be parents who have second graders at uh, Southside Elementary School. So that's part of the East Noble School District in Noble County. Right. And these parents were, it was it was actually an email. A lot of parents, I'm told, couldn't even open this attachment. Um, but it was a memo about a discussion that took place in one of the second grade classrooms. And the discussion was about gender identity. And so as you can imagine, Pat, just like you, my inbox was flooded with copies of this email there were screenshots of it and then there were parents saying well one parent parent received this memo but we didn't how come they got it we did there was a lot of confusion Mm -hmm. regarding this memo so so some people felt like that they were being slighted or else they were being sliced off the availability or whatever i think so i also like i said i heard from some parents who said they couldn't even open the attachment so there's some questions on was that supposed to happen was that not (laughs) supposed to happen um so so i've been tracking it down for a while trying to get some of these parents um, to speak out about what, in fact, actually happened. And and that's what occurred on my show yesterday, on Friday morning on Fort Wayne's Morning News. I spoke to a gentleman named Joel Lash. And Joel and his wife um, have a son that was actually in this classroom. He's in second grade. He's okay. nine years old. Um, that was in this classroom for this gender identity discussion that did, in fact, take place. Again, we have confirmation of that from the school via this this memo that went out via email. And according to Joel and his son, um, the way this discussion unfolded was this this student, who I guess is known to, um, he's a boy, but he tends to uh, dress in female clothing, girls' clothing, um, tends to say he identifies as a girl. Like, this isn't an uncommon thing from this student. And so... For whatever reason, the teacher allowed him to have this moment in the classroom to address his peers um, to talk about essentially his gender identity. Um, Joel said some words were thrown around like gender fluid. Um, Joel said that his his child came home and said, well, so-and-so said that you can wake up and feel like a girl one day and you might wake up and feel like a boy the next. Yeah. Okay. Now, just for him, for example, this Mm -hmm. second grade kid. Did he ever have any inclination that that was the kind of thing he should even be thinking about? And now is he thinking about it just because of what was presented in right. his class? Right. Seeds were definitely planted sure. with this discussion. And as you can imagine, a lot of these second graders went home and said, hey, mom, hey, dad, what's gender fluid? Hey, mom, hey, dad, guess what so-and-so said in class today? So that's kind of how this erupted. Yeah. These young kids went home and told their parents and had lots of questions, as you can imagine. Um, and according according to Joel and his son, this discussion went on for about five to ten minutes. 
And the teacher of this classroom also allowed a little Q&A session. So this, this child, you know, the floor is open. If you have any questions for him, you can ask him some questions. Um, according to Joel, his son said the questions were pretty innocent because I, I don't know that a nine-year-old knows much about yeah, gender Yeah, how much fluidity. were they grasping? Yeah, yeah not really sure. Um, the counselor was pulled in at one time, I'm so I'm told, during this discussion. A couple of more questions occurred at that time. And then she said, hey, you can come see me in my office if you still have more questions. And so the part that kind of gets to me, I mean, I think there's a lot of parts that are a little shady, um, but I got a copy of that email that was sent to to some of the parents at Southside. Again, not all. Um, and, and if you'll allow me, I want to read a portion of it. Sure. And again, this is Southside in East Noble. Correct. This is in the Kindleville area. Go ahead. It says, as we reflect on a recent classroom discussion, we understand that the topic of gender identity was not age appropriate or conducive to the developmental stage of our elementary students. We sincerely apologize for any discomfort or concern that may have arisen as a result of the discussion. We have emphasized with staff members that topics of discussion need to align with curriculum and level of students' maturity. Additionally, the issue has been addressed with staff directly involved. That's one paragraph of the four or five that are actually included in this memo. And what got parents, this is what I heard from from numerous parents, what got them so upset is it doesn't say what classroom, doesn't say what grade, doesn't say whether or not your student was involved in this conversation. Because So, so now if, parents are left to become investigators correct. and find out, okay, so where did this happen? Exactly. When did it happen? <gasps> uh, where did it happen? In what room did it? Because if it was me and I received that letter, I, I don't want to have to ask my second grader if that discussion occurred in case they weren't even in the room. Right. right? I want to know where and when it occurred. Well, I'm hoping that with as many emails and calls as you've gotten, I'm hoping that at that school that the principal's phone has been flooded. Oh, you best bet. All of the phones uh, were ringing off the hook. In fact, Joel texted the teacher of this classroom, his son's teacher, and she said, yes, this discussion did take place. He tells, I mean, he's got the text of this conversation with the teacher. She confirmed that the question or the Q&A, the whole discussion took place, but that any other questions needed to be directed directly at the school. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, parents obviously have been talking. This has been shared multiple times that this discussion occurred. So parents flooded the East Noble um, school board meeting earlier this week, back on Wednesday night. Yeah, and, and here's why. Okay, now it's been a while since my kids were in the second and third grade. I'm sure you probably figured that out. But here, <laughs> here's the here's the bottom line, though. You want to get under my skin? Let me feel like there's something subversive going on that's starting to touch into the life of my child. Yes. Katie, bar the door. I mean, that's that's you when the claws are coming out. Both. Yeah, uh, Pat. And so parents showed up. Um, Some of them were allotted about 90 seconds to speak on the issue. It is my understanding, again, I did not attend this meeting, but it's my understanding not really a lot was resolved. There wasn't really a lot of transparency during this discussion. My guess is it probably caught a lot of people off guard Mm -hmm. that were in attendance for this meeting. Um, However, it kind of fast forward a little bit. The school did announce that the teacher of this second grade classroom has been suspended for three days without pay whatever that looks like i'm assuming she's a salaried employee i don't really know how that works that's above my pay grade um but that's kind of the outcome of all of this yeah not not to be not to be a judicial hammer hand here but i mean doesn't three days for something like that sound a little bit like almost nothing to you it sounds like a slap on the wrist to me and and after really kind of talking to these parents and diving in 
everyone has said the same thing to me. They've said, KB, weren't laws broken? Because everyone's very well aware of the House Bill 1608 that went into law last year right. uh, about about education. And, the, and this law basically prohibits these kinds of discussions happening in the classroom until fourth grade. I mean, personally, I don't think the law goes far enough, but yeah, that's a different discussion for another day. Yeah, let's, get, let's get beyond middle school, shall we? Yeah, mm-hmm. for real. Um, and so the fact that that it sounds like, you know, I suppose East Noble could make the argument that you know, they skirted that law because it was a student, you know, having the outward discussion. But I would still maintain that the teacher led it and allowed it to go on. It's not it's you know, it's one thing if, if this just kind of organically happened. And maybe it did. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they came back from recess and this kid. Who knows? Right. I wasn't there for it. But to allow the conversation to go on for 10 minutes, to allow a Q&A for the counselor to walk in and not even shut it down immediately, immediately. Therein lies the rub. Yeah. Um the, the whole nine miles here on this whole thing is, you know, that, it, you know, should it have been shut down? Could you allow it? Can we, you just made a statement. Can we allow kids in the second grade to help determine what it is the teacher's going to teach that day? I mean, that strikes me as just way off the chart. Me too. And furthermore, I maintain, I mean, you best bet, Pat, that if this student wanted to stand up and share with the classroom why he identifies as a Republican, or if this student wanted to stand up and explain why he's suicidal. Yeah. Those kinds of discussions wouldn't be permitted either. No, no. Um, Should Jesus be taught in my classroom? That's right, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And, and you know, I feel like when we have the passage of laws like House Bill 1608, Education Matters, and, the, and these rules are laid out for you. Mm-hmm. It's prohibiting these kinds of discussions. I would think these schools immediately would go to their administrators, their teachers, their coaches, and say, hey, y'all, here's the new law. Here's how we are going to be proactive. Because inevitably, yes, kids will bring up these topics. Right. I mean, if there is a second-grade boy coming to school dressed in a dress or in a skirt looking like a female, of course young kids are going to have questions about sure. that. So inevitably, yes, it's going to be brought up. I'm not sure why schools are being reactive to this. And again, it's not just East Noble. We know this sure. is happening all sure. over the place. When there are laws on the books, there should already be a plan in place for how to handle these situations, not allow a 10-minute Q&A about them. Yeah. 60 seconds left. So let me just ask you, Kayla. What's your sense on what you're getting out of people in and around East Noble? I mean, what do they think next step should be? Where I am going with this, because this is also what I've heard, again, because it does sound like some laws were broken here. Uh, Parents want to know if there are legal actions that they can pursue. What can they do next? Because they are not okay with this. And they do not feel like a a three-day suspension is good enough. Mm -hmm. And so coming up on my program Monday morning, we are going to sort through, actually, I've got a couple of different guests lined up, some perhaps legal avenues that parents can walk down when it comes to, again, not even just East Noble, but we'll be able to talk about districts all across the state as this is an Indiana law that is on the books. This is the story that came to Kayla and she's heard it. But trust me, this is not the only incident of this going on. I have incidents of my very own. So I can tell you as a fact, this is not the only one. You'll want to be there on Monday with Kayla Blakesley. In fact, you want to be with her every Monday through Friday in the morning from five to nine. We'll be back straight ahead. It's the Pat Miller program. Here on WoWo 923 FM 1190 AM. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is the Pat Miller program here on this Saturday. Thank you very much for being with us. We'll be here every Saturday from noon to three o'clock in the afternoon. So thank you very much for being with us. Just talked to Kayla Blakesley in that last segment 
about everything going on in one of the school systems in our area, and it's probably indicative of some stuff going on in a lot of school systems in our area. That having been said, uh, the president wants to help. I don't know if you know this or not, but the president now is planning to transfer more student loans, more student loans, and he plans to transfer them to you and to me. Look, the Biden administration, Democrats as a whole, the whole crowd on Capitol Hill, they are nothing if not shameless in what and how and to what extent they will go to buy votes. Joe Biden is using your money right now to buy other people's votes by his student loan forgiveness transfer program. He added another 153,000 borrowers to that roster for about $1.2 billion this week. And the timing was impeccable, as you might imagine, with all the concern over the fact that he's in steep cognitive decline. Biden needed to remind voters that he's a sympathetic and well-meaning man, not just an elderly one with a poor memory. Now, this reminds me like of some of the Hallmark movies that I've seen with Kim, where you have an elderly statesman for a family, and the other family knows that Grandpa or Uncle Bill is about to kick the big one, and so they're trying to get him to sign things or to do things so that the, the well wishes of the family stay with the members of the family that they want it to be with. This is like Joe Biden is being told by his friends on Capitol Hill, these are the ones that you need to push the votes with because these are the ones that are going to be able uh, to uh, get everything done that we want to do moving forward. Back in 2021, then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said, the president cannot do what you're wanting. And this is now what he has eventually done. The president, she said, this was in 2021. I know it's so long ago, three whole years ago. The president can only postpone, delay, but cannot forgive. Anything of that sort would take an act of Congress. Well, until now. Because now, obviously, he doesn't need an act of Congress. He can do it on his own. Look, even what Nancy said would be unconstitutional. The Constitution does not grant the federal government the authority to take private contracts between lenders and borrowers and abrogate them forcing taxpayers to pay back loans that they didn't take for college degrees that they personally did not earn. But since when did Washington and some of the politicians there on the left care a whole lot about what was on some old, musty, graying piece of parchment? In August of 2022, Biden did it anyway in a transparent ploy for votes. In July 2023, the Supreme Court rebuked him in a resounding 6-3 to three ruling. Biden immediately proceeded to ignore the court and implemented a workaround to keep up the transfer payments in smaller batches. That's what you do. If the court says what you're doing is unconstitutional, that's fine. You'll just turn around and you'll just come back and you'll just, well, I'll be unconstitutional, but I'll do it in smaller fractions. Is that what they said? The Biden administration has now approved nearly $138 billion in student debt cancellation for almost 3.9 million borrowers through more than two dozen executive actions. Biden has no authority to do this. 
None. And the Supreme Court told him so, and he doesn't care. Listen, Republicans, if you're going to do something up there on Capitol Hill, I have a slight suggestion for you. I don't expect you to take what I say and say, oh, Miller said it, let's go. I do suggest you do this. Take the Biden administration to court. If, in fact, you had a court proceeding that found out that the president could not do what he did, and now he's doing it anyway, going against that 6-3 to three ruling, take him to court. Look, he's blatantly daring anybody to play the villain in his rule of his rosy red administration. Tens of millions of people in debt were literally about to be canceled. Their debts, Biden said. But my MAGA Republican friends in Congress, elected officials and special interests stepped in and sued us and the Supreme Court blocked it. They blocked it. But that didn't stop me. Didn't stop you from doing what, Joe? Having to live according to the Constitution of the United States? Constitutional authority? Malarkey. I mean, that's what they're saying up there on Capitol Hill. That's what they're saying at the White House. Malarkey. Checks and balances? Please. Look, it's totally unfair to send the bill for loans to people who didn't take them out. That's what's unfair. Kind Uncle Joe is here to take care of not-so-poor college graduates struggling to get by and mean, stingy Republicans aren't going to stop him. Remember, this is the same guy warning that Donald Trump is a would-be dictator who threatens, who threatens democracy. Well, speaking of Trump, one thing that Biden did learn from him is to put his name on the check. When approving COVID stimulus checks under his administration, Trump made sure his name was on the checks. He wanted to make sure that the people knew who it was that was giving him, the, re- the the people, the relief they needed over COVID. Well, Team Biden promised that these political games would stop under their administration, and they did until they didn't. I'm promising you I'm never going to stop fighting for hardworking American families. So if you qualify, you'll be hearing from me shortly. He's sending out emails now to make sure they know exactly who to thank for the relief they're getting. Good old Uncle Joe. I hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room. And then he ended it with a signature. More about this when we come back. Glad you're with us today on this Saturday. We'll be back straight ahead right here on the Pat Miller Program on Saturday on WoWo 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. This is the Pat Miller Program on WoWo 92.3 FM and 1190 AM and at WoWo.com. Welcome back as we continue the Pat Miller program. Glad that you're with us. I promise you I'm never going to stop fighting for hardworking American families. So if you qualify, you'll be hearing from me shortly. Well, Politico reported that he's sending these emails out, he, Joe Biden, to make sure that they know who to fight for. He says, I hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room. Well, what about all of us who work like the devil to pay off our own student loans? What about those of us who more, whose mortgage and escrow payments have gone up hundreds of dollars a month, not because we bought a newer house, but because of the inflation that Joe Biden caused? Where's our relief? We get none. We just get another bill so Joe Biden can go out and buy more votes. And just like rampant inflation, we know whose name is on 
that bill. Joe Biden tells us, we're saving democracy. Well, you might think you're saving democracy, but we're all paying for it. Continuing discussing uh, some things with regards to education, we all know the controversy that we had recently with Harvard University and their president that they had to let go because of very anti-Semitic stances and tolerances of those with anti-Semitic stances. We walked through all of that together, didn't we? Well, now we have a new president at Harvard, uh, but the new president now is unequivocally condemning an Instagram post shared by an account belonging to a pro-Palestinian Harvard faculty group. Let me say that one more time. A pro-Palestinian Harvard faculty group that said it contained deeply offensive anti-Semitic tropes. Well, what does that mean? Well, the account, Harvard Faculty and Staff for Justice in Palestine, or FSJP for all of you taking notes, took some heat Monday of this week for sharing a post on Instagram that included an image of an old anti-Semitic propaganda poster depicting Jewish masters controlling people of African descent. The university put out a statement denouncing the post on Monday, stating the account shared despicable images that have no place in the Harvard community. Alan Garber, the school's interim president, reiterated the statement and slammed the social media post, said it was flagrantly anti-Semitic in a message to the Harvard community on Tuesday of this week. Shabas Kessenbaum shared the image on the Instagram post on X on Monday, declaring Harvard faculty just posted an explicitly anti-Semitic poster depicting a Jewish hand controlling the black mind. With professors like these, it's easy to see why we Jewish students don't feel safe in class. Ketzenbaum's post is now Uh, as of this morning, here on Saturday, been viewed by over two and a half million people. Uh, With other outraged users trashing the Harvard faculty's post, that post continues to grow. For example, Harvard alum, billionaire Bill Ackman ripped it, posting, this is grim, putting out this anti-Semitic post. And Elon Musk actually posted and just put a standalone exclamation point. Events columnist, event, human events columnist uh, Adam Coleman shared a post writing, if you understand how leftist ideologues think, none of this should be surprising. And the ex-account for pro-Israel organization, the Simon Weisenthal Center, remarked, old anti-Jewish tropes recycled at, at Harvard, no less. What will new administration do about the, lo- the latest poison canard? And that's a question. You know, when you when you say you're you're getting rid of your previous president and part of the reason is for this reason, and then you do, um, okay, to what extent, to what extent are you ready now to step into the fray and cause the problems to stop? They said none of this should be surprising. What will the new administration do? Well, Harvard said this in the Monday press release. The university is aware of social media posts today containing deeply offensive anti-Semitic tropes and messages from organizations whose membership includes Harvard affiliates. Such despicable messages have no place in the Harvard community. We condemn these posts in the strongest possible terms. 
Now, let me just say this. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Harvard when I got out of high school. They had written me, you know, and we're going to do this and X number of this, and we'll give you this one. They could never offer me enough to get the ridiculously high Harvard cost down where that would have ever worked in my family. Looking at it now, I'm glad that they priced me out of their possible student lineup. I'm glad I'm not affiliated with Harvard. I see now a lot of Harvard people that are struggling and scrambling trying to figure out how do they get themselves out of alignment with Harvard. They know where they are. They just don't like it. The, the university's post went on. This matter is being reviewed by the university uh, and is being referred to the Harvard College Administrative Board, which is responsible for the application and enforcement of undergraduate academic regulations and social conduct. Harvard rejects anti-Semitism in all its forms. We are determined to combat any hate and violence bias in our community. Well, that's a strong statement. It's, it's not as strong as the statement that I wish they would have come out with when their previous president was being highly anti-Semitic herself. Harvard FSJP responded to the outrage Monday afternoon and shared their post on Instagram. It has come to our attention. These are the anti-Semitic people. It has come to our attention that a post featuring antiquated cartoons, which used offensive anti-Semitic tropes, was linked to our account. We removed the content as soon as it came to our attention. We apologize for the hurt that these images have caused and do not condone them in any way. Okay, now. Then let me ask you a question, O ye of the Harvard FSJP. How is it that that even made it onto your site? Is nobody in the midst of losing your president and everything else that that has been, is nobody watching what crawls itself onto your uh, onto your blank slate there? Is nobody making sure that everybody is living up to what they need to be doing? Um. Garber from the group said, a few groups reporting to speak on behalf of Harvard affiliates recently circulated a flagrantly anti-Semitic cartoon in a post on social media channels. While the groups associated with the posting or sharing of the cartoon have since sought to distance themselves from it in various ways, the damage remains and our condemnation stands. Why don't you do this? This would have meant a lot. What if, what if the uh, group, the Harvard group, the FSJP, what if they would have come out? What if they would have come out and said, if you go looking on our site, we think we have it all down now, but unbeknownst to us, somebody came onto our site, our social media site, and published some things that were in absolute violation of what our university has put forward as to what our position on Semitism should be from this point forward. Reckless provocation draws attention without advancing understanding. No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Which is why it is just absolutely amazing to me that you haven't done that. It's just absolutely amazing to me that you have the same difficulty now that you had before this was even found out. 
The now-deleted Instagram post that was there uh, for Harvard said, African people have a profound understanding of apartheid and occupation. The historical roots of solidarity between black liberation movements and the Palestinian liberation began in the late 1960s. This period was marked by a heightened awareness among black organizations in the United States. Um, Be careful when people start talking about liberation movements. Liberation from whom, for whom, and in what manner and way do they think it should happen and will it happen? That's where we have to be careful. Anti-Semitism has been a huge issue on American college campuses in the wake of everything that happened on October the 6th, the Hamas terror attack in Israel, especially at Harvard. Pro-Palestinian Harvard students and faculty have demonstrated on behalf of the Palestinian cause with many of the protests, including anti-Semitic language and displays. Claudine Gay, the former president of Harvard, recently resigned from her role after multiple scandals, including being accused of not holding the anti-Semites on her campus in accountability. Well, you can't hold them to account when you yourself hold some of the same positions yourself. Glad that you're with us here on this initial broadcast as we end week one and our number one of the Pat Miller program here on the Saturday edition. And we're going to slip away for just a bit and we'll be back just after that uh, as we go into the one o'clock hour. Our very good friend from Real Clear Politics in Washington, D.C., Philip Wegman. And I'll just tell you this I've had vice presidents and senators and congressmen. I've had people from the community. I've had people from Hollywood. I've had all kinds of people on our program over the years. I have never had as much positive comment come to me as I have gotten from you over Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics. He is he is a formidable force. He is a constant. He is just the kind of guy you like to have on your side. We're going to be back with more as we slip away here. So thank you for being with us right here on WoWo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. Podcasts by Federated Media.